Okay, I'm Chris Avina with American Outdoor News, and today we're going to be uh, talking about uh, an upcoming event, a tremendous event called EarthX, and I'm here with the uh, founder and organizers, uh, Tremel Crow and Mark Hall. Uh, guys, thanks for coming on. Certainly, uh, appreciate the opportunity. Any, any chance for publicity? This is Earth Day. You know, uh, it's funny, Earth Day started in what 1970 70 and you started this event in 2011 and how much has it yeah. grown since 2011 oh, it, it went on a hiatus after the uh, uh by the 80s when we passed major legislation earth day just kind of disappeared it's a great brand but there's no really events other than community parks we didn't know that otherwise we might not have done it but we had uh, 38,000 people the first year and 177,000 people uh, just before COVID. Well, I'll tell you, for the first year, 38,000 people. Yeah. That's a huge success. You're in New York. Yeah. We hit 38,000. I said, God dang, that's pretty good. Called up Washington and they said, we're the biggest one. So we're from Texas. And they said, no, you're not. New York has 50,000. I said, that's a round number. Tell me. They had five different street parties, and they call that an important event. You know? yeah. So nobody's doing it. I think it's about 15 to 25 times larger than any uh, uh, big environmental event in, in the world. Now, you've grown this event to, geez, you, almost 200,000 visitors, yeah. 700 exhibitors. 400 speakers over a four-day span. That is a tremendous undertaking. It is intense. And the number of conferences uh, and public stages that are going all day long is something like 18 conferences and stages. So it's it's spread across Dallas. Well, it's in the Fair Park. It's the only place big enough to handle it in the shadow of downtown. And what about the... Um... The, all the exhibitors are all downtown in the park? Yeah, uh, the beauty of, of, fair, of a fair park is you can have indoor, outdoor. We have about a half a million square feet. Wow. The indoor is stuff like sardines, and the outdoor is, you know, pretty spread out. So it's fair to say about a half million square feet. That's tremendous. I mean, how long does it take to put together an event like this? Well, we've been doing it in 12 months every time for, you know, 12 years or something but not really because we just fall over ourselves at the end. A professional conference uh, producer will tell you it takes 18 months. And so uh, uh, maybe we can do that someday. It all seems to, you know, all the planning and all the, um, you know, rearranging and, and whatnot, it all seems to come together in like the last 45 days. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we'll be sitting there just shaking and shivering because, oh, we don't have enough going. And a, a whole 50% almost will come in in the last six weeks. Now, you're going to be speaking about, um, you have people that, that'll be speaking about business in innovations as far as uh, yeah. conservation and things of that nature. What type of uh, businesses do people expect to see when they come down there? Uh, first of all, let me stress that we have businesses at all. I was taken to task by some local chapter of the Sierra Club 
good people, but they're saying, why do you have Exxon in there? <laughs> and I'll say, because you know, the small percentage of their budget does some really important innovative stuff like Shell and the Game Changers. So at the eCapital Summit, the uh, investment forum, with about 100 startups typically in ocean tech, ag tech, property tech, and so forth, and about 100 uh, investing organizations, typically venture capital from East Coast, West Coast, but here in Texas too, uh, uh, in, in the conservation area, it's uh, ag tech, uh, uh, water uh, filtration and things, uh, seed technology, Wow, but but, but but gosh, Chris, that's not fair. You're talking to a suburban boy, strictly a suburban kid. I don't know too much about the ag, but no tillage and sustainable ranching is going on much more widely spread than I realized. It really is, and mm -hmm. you know the the technology that keeps developing behind that, um, it, it's staggering. The technology, the technology is 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 going and getting ahead of us. And just like anything else, it's the humans and the habits and the old-fashioned way of doing things that's getting in the way. Can I give you an example? Take a green building, a new big, beautiful skyscraper that has all the ener energy management systems. Well, the, the maintenance department might not really know how to do it or really want to. So uh, they don't take advantage of the technologies they could. Yeah, uh, We're going to be saved by our personal sacrifices and, you know, our recycling and all these things, but mainly we're going to be saved by innovation and technology and business. Now you, you're going to have also alternative fuel vehicles. Mm -hmm. Now that includes electric alternative energies, alternative fuels, uh, green fuels, things of that nature. How big, mm -hmm. uh, uh, how big of a display is that as far as uh, your exhibitors? Uh, I would imagine it's it's a tremendously fast-growing field. Oh, my God. I, there are so many electric vehicle companies, and they're made in foreign countries and in America, too. I just bought a Rivian pickup truck. It's uh, a beautiful uh, truck. I don't, <laughs> I don't think we'll have any hydrogen out there this time. But maybe uh, 30, 40 vehicles, uh, primarily passenger cars, but urban delivery vehicles, uh, one more than one 18-wheeler. But what we're really excited about, and we haven't uh, got the commitment yet, is a hydrogen locomotive. Wow. <laughs> there doesn't, it doesn't exist yet. Uh, I mean, it's not commercially available, but there's a prototype in California. And uh, imagine hydrogen is still a viable candidate. A lot of people think it's the way, but I, I've got to mention a couple of things and I apologize for talking too much. There's a group happens to be based here called Solar Car Challenge. These kids in high school, <clears throat> they don't have to choose between wood shop and metal shop anymore. They can go to a solar car shop, build a solar car <laughs> that was legal on the road. Wow. And, and there's like 250 high school teams out there in America and they'll be here, but there's a, a company in Denver that we hope will, uh, they say they're bringing a Formula One car. Now, there's nothing, no clean energy about this. A Formula One race car that's autonomous for paraplegics. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. That's innovative. <laughs> yeah. Exciting things, man. Wow. What and you know, there's going to be educational workshops and about conservation. Uh, can you talk tell us about some of the workshops that'll be going on? I mean, yeah, four yeah. uh, four hundred speakers has got to be a wide variety of topics, right? And, and let me let me see. Okay, I'm from Texas. Everything I say has to be a brag, one way or the other. Uh, those four hundred speakers, or whatever the number is. We don't pay our speakers from the very first year. Maybe it was kind of, we don't be pure and people speak uh, not for not for money, you know. We don't pay travel and we don't pay honorariums. And these guys are coming from all over America and wow. elsewhere too. So that's, that's pretty good motivation. Uh, usually the conferences are panels and individual speakers, uh, some of them are very good at uh, conversating, at, at dialogue with, with groups. We have some really wonderful uh, facilitators that have come again and again. But when you say workshop, I can only think of one thing, and this might be a little controversial to our audience today, and that's the United Nations Global Youth Workshop Negotiate. Uh, United Nations Global Climate Workshop Negotiator Workshop. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. And they started They started it in Dallas last year, and they're preparing the kids so they can go sit at the table with the negotiators at the cop talks. Say what you will, it's going to happen. Hmm. Yeah, hey, Chris, I, th I think an interesting point to bring out is a lot of the knowledge transfer that takes place, especially in the ranching, ag, and hunting community, because what we've all had our eyes open to is, you know, at the beginning of that food channel, i.e. up there on a ranch where we're go going back to natural grasses, getting rid of fertilizers and water remediation. Mm -hmm. We have people, you know, large distilleries that are taking that water in. We have large corporations like McDonald's and others that are, you know, contracting for the beef raised on sustained ranches. So we're really exposing all these different landowners on how to improve what they do not only economically, but socially. So there's a whole lot of that uh, knowledge transfer exchange that takes place during these conferences. Well, I know uh, uh, homesteading is becoming very big. People looking to uh, have sustainable living off of the property that they own, uh, raising their own animals, growing their own crops organically. Um, no fertilizers, no, uh, you know, uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, and it's become very popular. Let's bring it back home to ourselves, too. Although around here lately, people have been uh, building houses so big they don't have any more backyards. But, you know, people, we can build, our, we can put those gardens in our backyards and feed ourselves just like we did 80 years ago. I grew up with a garden. I'm Italian. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have our gardens. We grow our tomatoes. We jar it. We grow our peppers. Uh, I've been, yeah. you know, I've had a garden since I was a kid. And, you know, I'll continue to do so as, uh, you know, the more land I get, the bigger the garden gets. Well, it, it, it's the thing I found amazing since I started the association with Trammell and what he's built is the will of a lot of these larger Fortune 1000 organizations 
to now not only fund, but establish groups within their corporations for sustainability and for better environment. So as we bring those in and connect them with these scientists and other folks that are researching and preparing ways to do this, it's, it's a great forum. And, you know, as Trammell said, it's unlike no other. And it's right here in the middle of the U.S. It's not on the East Coast or the West Coast. It's right here in Dallas, Texas, which is very easy to get to. But it's just unbelievable the power of what takes place at these conferences and events. Mark, it couldn't be on the East Coast or the West Coast. We couldn't discuss the things that we discuss on those coasts. We would be prevented. Yeah, I'd have to agree, Trammell. We kind of experienced that. But, you know, we're seeing more and more folks come from outside of the, you know, Texas area to attend this as, as you know, we've gotten back after COVID. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to see not only the pendulum swing back, but we're finding, again, that middle ground where we can see how we all work together and stop fighting. But to see the advances we're all making together. And that, that's, that's envir- a very powerful thing. At but, environmental uh, gatherings, very, very, very few of them will even allow a discussion between a climate, what they used to call a climate skeptic, and a and a warmest. You know, mm-hmm. uh, our big Friday lunch will be a conversation moderated by Rick Perry and the Texas State climatologist John Nielsen Gammon from Texas A and M, and a Mister Alex Epstein, who a few years ago, you might recall, wrote a book called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And it's not a a, a conversation or an argument about is there global warming (laughs) because nobody wants to say there isn't anymore. Yeah. But how do we allocate our fuels and what do we do about it? Well, you know, I I think, um, you know, the climate of our um, country today, you're either on the left or the right, but I think there's... uh, one common ground and that's gonna that is um our ecology and you know the preservation of the lands that we have today i mean me as a you know um hunting and outdoor magazine you know we have the pitman robinson act that's a self-imposed tax for every license um every rifle every round of ammunition there's a self-imposed tax that goes right back into conservation of the habitat and the animals itself. And there's a whole ripple effect of you improving the habitat for moose. It's going to affect the other animals, the insects, and there's a whole trickle-down effect right down to the flowers and, and plants that will flourish when, you, uh, when you're uh, rejuvenating a certain area. Well, and, and Chris, and I think the, the big change we've seen over the last two to three years is all of the very large conservation NGOs or hunting NGOs are really going out of their way to put a lot of their time, effort, and money into non-consumptive, uh, you know, type vehicles, remediating land, marshlands, this, that, and the other. I mean, the work going mm-hmm. on by DU and some of the others is just amazing, and it's a well-kept secret from a, lot, a large part of the public, but you know, the more people understand what real good is taking place by people from the hunting and fishing and outdoor world, the better off we're all going to be. So, you know, we just want to get the word out, get more folks involved. You know, there are two conferences in the world. There's Earth Day that we do and there's Half Earth Day, but we have year-round conservation activities that we do on a quarterly basis, work projects to help support all of those NGOs. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that that's what we're trying to do is get that word out, see what's who be involved, hopefully get their children involved to, again, protect our heritage and have it go on. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what EarthX and EarthX conservation is all about. Well, I, I heard um, that there's going to be a lot of well-known people at your event, too. I mean, who has been to your event in the past and who do you expect to be there uh, uh, this next month? I'll, I'll give it a shot. There are so many that, frankly, I've got information overload and it's hard to rattle them off. Um, Van Jones is coming. Uh, uh, he's on CNN at this time, I think. Okay. Um, uh, dang it. I'm... Well, I, uh, I know Congressman yeah. Byron Donald. Uh, yeah, talk about the Congressman. Yeah. Yeah, Congressman Byron Donald is coming in. He sits on several committees. Uh, he's coming in. He's our keynoter at our speaker that night. Uh, we've got several folks from uh, Capitol Hill that have always been involved and continue to come down. I'll let I, think, I think, Mark, that there are seven congressmen committed to come. Wow. Yes, that's what I was told. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and then, you know, there, there's, so, you know, here at Half Earth Day, Trammell did something with uh, uh, the actor uh, Robert Redford and did uh, his yeah. film, Way of the Rain. And yeah, Redford, my- he won't be there, uh, but, but his ranches are going to be exhibiting. And I don't know if we'll get anybody out of the Ted Turner family, but it's a big family, and they've got a lot of ranch, Laura Seidel particularly. So we're, we're talking to them, too. So you you, uh, you you got a wide spectrum of both celebrity and politicians yeah. that are there to help yeah. uh, make this event a huge success. Yeah. We, we don't we don't push for celebrities too much. Uh, one of the congressmen is Bill Foster, and as I recall, he's the only congressman there is that's educated in nuclear. Hmm. Uh, I think I think that uh, the congressman from Arkansas, Bruce Westerman, who's the only congressman educated in, in forestry, will be there. Uh, there's a, uh, a teen heartthrob from Mexico called Luis de la Rosa, who's an activist and a, uh, uh, an actor. Uh, hey, Trevor, that's a good segue. Uh, why don't you mention the involvement in, in the great number of people from Mexico that are now enjoying with us and coming up and joining the conference and connecting the countries more and more, on, especially on well, the money fishing side. Mark, it's hard to without saying billionaire all the time. <laughs> we, we, have, we, have, we have had such a surprising experience. First of all, a lot of these titans of industry own their corporations. Sure. And a lot of them are, are you know, big conglomerates. And uh, they, and a the surprising thing to me is maybe they're not as far along as American corporations and being sustainable but there's a, a, a big interest in improving their green and a sincere one but rarely do i meet uh, a big executive in mexico who is a climate denier yep and more conservationists and hunters than i knew existed uh, mark do you want to tell the story about the proclamation no, I want you to. You should be proud of that. That was a very big deal we got done last year. 
uh, first time on, there was a big trip I took down there. And the first evening there was a long table of Mexican friends, new friends. And I jumped up there trying to act like a, a, a woodsman. And I said, wildlife conservation through hunting and fishing. And these men couldn't even stay in their seats. They were so excited to hear what they thought was an enviro talking like that. Long story short, they came a few months later in force to a uh, half first day a year and a half ago. And we had a proclamation prepared for them that basically with a lot of whereas and wherefores said hunting and fishing is a valid form of wildlife conservation in Mexico and in America because they've been having problems with that damn president trying to prevent hunting with legislation across the board. Yep. So Mark uh, gathered a group of tried and true Texan hunters. We had about 10 of them, 10 Mexican leaders representing 450 hunter groups. And wow. uh, the proclamation they carried down to Mexico. Six weeks later, I walked into the office of the president of the Senate and he said something in Spanish that sounded, sounded like an Italian thing. It was like, the president's pr proposed legislation sleeps with the fishes. We beat it. The hunters beat it. Uh, you know, hunting conservation works all over the world. We've uh, uh, used that model not only in the U.S. and Mexico, but all the way in Africa as well. And it, it works. It's a proven, it's a proven entity, uh, and it should be more widely accepted. Yeah, Chris, Chris uh, during COVID, when we had to go online instead of having face-to-face, -face, we did our conference, and 80% of it were speakers from Africa. So we spent a lot of time talking yeah. about what they were going through because they were they were greatly harmed by the lack of travel and lack of hunters and everything else that took place during COVID. But, you know, they gave us a state of their nations, and they, they gave us a plea for the help they needed, and they gave us all a much better understanding of what they confront every day down there, yeah. not just – back hunting but all the poaching that started to increase that's, that's because money problem. wasn't flowing in it was huge you know how the villages were being decimated i mean there were just so many things that we're not aware of and the press here does not ever talk about so yeah. i mean it, it, it to me was enlightening and really got my heart beat up about how we can support all these countries you know through hunting fishing and conservation you know, not just with the geopolitical talk that we hear on, on the, you know, the broadcast news every night. Yeah, yeah the buzzwords and talking points. Yeah. Now, yeah. what do we need to do or what really needs to be done to help with the long-term uh, ecological sustainability? Well, first of all, it'd be nice to have some, some facts and some truth. Uh, Mark Hall and I argue about climate. But if we look at the, the statistics that are created by the IPCC and, the, you know, the scientists that make the climate studies for the COP talks, we might not disagree so much. Mm -hmm. They go to the media and they don't read it and study it and they exaggerate it. And that's where the problem is with the climate uh, debate. And I talk about the climate debate when you say, what do we do? Because there are some people who have left the environmental work and have gone straight into politics because they say, you got to fix the system. 
before you can fix the problems. Well, and I think the other thing we do is we spend a fair amount of time trying to get people to talk with, again, facts instead of feelings. Because the, the feelings tend to come out and overtake the conversation on, on too many too many occasions. So, And, you know, there are a lot of different facts that support different sides of the issue. But, I mean, and, and Trammell said it early on, there's none of us that will deny there's some effect we have on climate. I mean, it is. But, uh, you know, but, yeah, I mean, whatever we can do to help, we have to have that in good order for our environments that we need and habitats that we need to continue to have these different breeds not in danger to, you know, have, have the clean water, the, the trees, the clean air, all the stuff, all of us need. That's the stuff we should find the middle ground on and work together on and, you know, get rid of the polar issues that try to separate us because that's where we can make a big difference. And I will say the conservationists do tend to bring a large availability of money at their disposal to put into these things. So, I, th I think that's that's why it's been a good start with these guys. They want to leave a better world as their legacy. Well, as the saying yeah. as the saying goes, you know, to to think globally, you got to start locally, right? Uh, so, as individuals, what should each of us start doing yesterday to um, preserve our planet for the next generation? Be very conscious how you vote and how you shop and how you eat. I'm very conscious of what I eat. I eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, come on. You know, most of us aren't even voting at all anymore. Uh, so I won't get all, I won't give you a sermon, but let's start. Let's have the feeling and the, 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 the faith and the philosophy that our parents said a hundred years ago that we can do this we can build america we can be resilient we can be self-reliant mm -hmm. and do it ourselves and not wait for the government yep and it's drop by drop it's scrap of paper by scrap of paper and yes turning off the lights or turning off the water when you brush your teeth does help mm -hmm. so just, you know, people take responsibility for your actions. Well, I believe that if you don't vote and you're not conscious of your own personal environment, you, you're really giving up your right to complain about it. If you don't vote, never complain to me if you don't vote. <laughs> you're giving up your voice. Yeah. Yep. And, and Chris, I mean, we don't try to get into the full politics at the conference, but it does come out, you know, especially right now, landowner rights, different countries buying up our farmland or our large conglomerates buying up uh, different uh, tracts of property. Yes, sir. I mean, all, all those things are going to be discussed, hopefully with facts at some of the conferences. And at the end of the day, that affects all of us. It, it really does. Well, who are some of the exhibitors that people should expect to see? I mean, 700 exhibitors. Holy cow. I wish I had that list in front of me. Uh, Mark, some of the uh, conservation exhibitors. Oh, I mean, we range everywhere from now. Safari Club, Ducks Unlimited is coming, uh, uh, Delta Waterfowl, uh, OTF, Outdoor Tomorrow Foundation. Mm -hmm. we, 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 you know, uh, 
I think we've got the Wild Sheep Foundation coming. Uh, I'm not sure if SCI is going to be attending or not. I'll know that later today. But there's there's just hundreds of them on the conservation side. As well, well, I say hundreds. I said there's about 125 conservation-based organizations coming to join us, save the rhinos. Well, well no, no. The, those are guys that might be exhibiting, but they might have 10 different groups represented in their exhibit. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely, the local chapters. Yes, that's right, and their uh, their partners will be there. But then, yeah. then there's you know, there's several hundred that are related to you know water and what we're doing to uh, you know make our water systems more effective and clean. There's energy people coming. Uh, I don't is the Solar, legal renewable. Yeah, is legal still on this year, Jamal? I don't know if that's still legal. happening. There's not a legal conference per se. We're having uh, policies represented in all the conferences. Okay. So, I mean, you'll see a fair amount of those folks that are involved in that from, uh, you know, either uh, on the legislative side or from the uh, lobbying side. So most, it, most of the big, most of the big names, most of the big names in environmental groups, you know, Greenpeace, uh, Sierra Club, mo most of those. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, youth, youth groups, Extinction Rebellion, Sunrise Movement, uh, many of those. Well, you know, it's good you have uh, people like Outdoor Tomorrow Foundation that are yeah. there. Uh, I work with them as well um, to educate your youth about the benefits of the outdoors, um, the 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 beauty, and just the um, just being outside, going hiking, going yeah. fishing, going canoeing, yeah. uh, go on a mountain hike. Um, there's medicinal purposes, uh, that you can't find in any pill. Got groups coming down from, uh, the Rocky Mountains, particularly Colorado, Denver, Boulder, Aspen, Vail, Colorado Springs, Fort Collins. Uh, the, and they're a great mixture with right and left in Colorado. So this is uh, really a global event. It's, oh yeah. Well, the, the, Not speakers, people the speakers from, come from everywhere. Wow. This is this is tremendous. And this is, it starts April 19th? Uh, well, yeah. There's a little thing on, then, on, and on the 20th, there's only the Innovation Investment Conference. And then on the 21st Friday, it starts like crazy, about 10 different conferences going on at the same time, contingencies from the UK and media, you know, we're on a, uh, a, a, a we have a TV station now. And we should have been talking about it. EarthX TV was oh. launched on Spectrum TV in September. We have six hours of programming a day that's never been seen on our channel before. We acquire documentaries and series shown before in other countries. We make our own shows too that are kind of fluffy. We got to get the eyeballs. 11 million homes doesn't mean 11 million eyeballs yet. Uh, by the in, in the next 30 days, we think we'll have 25 million homes in America on Spectrum and on, uh, well, I shouldn't say the next. In Europe, we have about 25 million right now, and that'll grow from Ireland to Romania. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now and the, the amazing thing is there's not any competition. We are the only TV station that's all environment. Now... Uh, in a, an event of this magnitude, you must generate a hell of a lot of money. 
Uh, I'm generating a hell of a lot of expense. We, we, we tend to give these things away. You know, you know how hard it is to get people involved in an environment. <laughs> they have this feeling of hopelessness or they have this Texas obstinance. That, oh, that, you know, you know. <laughs> so we, uh, we have huge losses actually. Wow. So <laughs> what does an event like this cost? I mean, well, well, it's certainly in the, uh, in the millions wow. and with the TV, which is, uh, much bigger cost uh let me let me put it this way sponsors come hither yeah okay so how can uh, i found that every major corporation uh has a soft side for the environment um how can these corporations be in touch with you to get involved donate their time donate their money more importantly because the money goes directly to the environment yeah and all the profits that we will recognize if this tv station really works people will watch will go straight back in environment conservation uh they can go to our website earthxtv.com i guess and earthx earthx.org i think it is yeah but you know, I'm a little old-fashioned. I can hardly get this Zoom working today, so I'll just say Trammel at tscrow.com. If it's a big corporation, they need to talk straight to me. Okay, and what about buying tickets for the events? Same thing, go to the uh, go to the website, they can buy the tickets yeah. for the events? Yeah, earthx.org, free admission to the, uh, to the whole expo, the uh, conferences, uh, minimal costs. Well, I, I think this is an amazing event. Uh, you, you've done a tremendous job. I mean, I, I, I can't believe the size of it and the undertaking. I've run small events, and they're a lot of work. Something of this magnitude, I don't even want to look at. <laughs> yeah, well, my children are hacked off at me. I don't can't really say I have a real girlfriend, uh, and personal life is gone. But these things need attention. These species are going. These monarch butterflies need to be helped coming back. Time is a wasting. Well, I, I definitely appreciate you because we definitely need more people like you that uh, take their time and money to put together an event like this to educate people. Appreciate it. Hopefully, we can get you down there. Hey, Chris, just one last plug here. We do have several banquets that take place during the conference. So, okay. you know, if they get online, they can go look at those. But those are not only really fun events. After the after that banquet dinner, there's usually a hosted party over at the Crow Estate, which is always memorable. So hopefully we'll get some of your folks to journey down our way to see us. If you if you come, Chris, you're going to run up to me and grab me like a bear hug and lift me up in the sky. I know, because you're going to go crazy seeing <laughs> the things that occur that never do occur, man. That's amazing. I, I... You know, it's it's not every day that somebody takes on something like this, and uh, it's it's well appreciated. Thank you for saying so. Well, hey, thank you, Chris, for allowing us to talk to you and, and your viewers, and uh, I look forward to seeing you here soon. And, uh, hey, Trammell, thank you for taking time today. You bet. Y'all come. All right. We appreciate your time, and don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And... Go to uh, the website. I'll list it at the uh, closing credits where you can buy tickets.
And you have Thank a hard, a hard, you have a hard copy magazine also. No, we're only online. Okay, I'll subscribe online. Thank you. All right. Thanks again. Right. Thanks, everyone. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference.